Honey, you can walk right past this one. It's going to be boring. Nothing to see. Just keep walking. Welcome to the Ferrari Hub Podcast, where we will be talking Ferraris. And now your host, Andy Rasul. Well, welcome back to episode 10 of the Ferrari Hub Podcast, where we are going to be talking about Ferraris. And it's great to have you back listening to the show. Um, I can't believe that we're episode 10 already. And, uh, you know, as you know, episodes come out on a weekly basis. So, yeah, coming up to the end of the year, towards the end of Christmas. And I just wanted to first of all say thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. I know you all are busy. And I am grateful that you take out a little bit of your time each week to listen to the podcast show. Um, So I'm very grateful for that. Also, I wanted to say Merry Christmas to everybody because this is the show that will come out before Christmas itself. Um, So if you're listening to this at some point in the future, well, this one came out in December. Um, But yeah, just um, I hope you have a great holiday, a great time with uh, family or whatever it is that you're doing. And um, I'll be releasing another episode next week. So we will continue as normal. Um, But yes, so you can download that. Um, onto your phones or listen to it on the websites. Today's episode is going to be different to what we've done before. As you know, in previous episodes, we've been interviewing people. And in today's episode, there's actually no guest. And that's deliberate because I'm going to be speaking about, I'm going to be talking about something that is um, quite close to me because it's something that I was directly involved in. And that is how I managed to spend about $20,000 on the servicing of my car. And I don't have an Enzo, I didn't have uh, La Ferrari or anything like that. What I had was a modern classic, um, which was the 456M, uh, and I had a GTA uh, gearbox, uh, so an automatic gearbox. And I'm going to be talking about how on earth it cost me about 20k to service the car. And I'm not talking about parts and labour, I'm talking about parts. Um, labor was completely separate. I'll explain that in the actual uh, interview, in the actual uh, segment itself. I mentioned in last week's podcast episode that there is going to be a big announcement in this week's episode. And I'm going to give an update on that announcement at the end of the podcast. The announcement itself will not be happening, but I'm going to be able to, I'm going to tell you how you can get uh, how, how you can find out what's going on um, because the announcements itself will go out on Friday but I'm going to tell you how on Friday you can find out about it. So um, listen out to that at the end of the actual episode itself. Talking about last week's podcast um, it was really well received I mean I've been getting great feedback on each of the episodes but particularly last week's episode um, we got some really good feedback on that one so I think people just resonated with the fact that we had uh, an owner on and he was talking about his car, very personal experience to him and uh, the whole experience of collecting the vehicle as well. So Tim, who was our guest uh, last week and the week before, he's actually agreed to come back on the show in the future and we're going to be talking about the restoration of his F40 LM, which took four years to do and we're going to be talking about that whole process. So we're going to record that interview and that will come out in the new year. So listen out for that one. You can listen to all of the episodes. They all go up on iTunes. Um, so not knowing where you're actually listening to this from. If you haven't discovered us on iTunes, just go to ferrarihub.com forward slash iTunes and 
that will take you straight to our page on iTunes. Um, or alternatively, if you're a non-Apple user, you can listen to it straight off our own website by going to ferrarihub.com forward slash podcast. And if you are an Apple user, then please do subscribe to us on iTunes itself. That way it will automatically drop into your inbox on your um, podcast app. Just wanted to mention a few of the things that have been going on on the website over the last week or so. So as you are aware, we run a um, bi-weekly article on our website called Drool, uh, where we showcase various cars that are available around the world uh, that are what I would classify as drool-worthy. And one of our subscribers, he challenged us to find him a, uh, a Luso. And I'm not talking about the GT4 uh, Luso, I'm talking about the, uh, sorry, the GTC4 Luso, Luso, I'm talking about the Luso from the 1960s. And what we were able to do, and it's a tough task because there was only 351 made and they're not generally available. I mean, there's, there's you know, at a time there might be one available, perhaps two, but it's a matter of seeking out that car. And we were able to find uh one of these uh, 250 GT Lusos, um, one of 351 made. This car is 54 years old and it's absolutely beautiful. So definitely check that out. Um, that was our uh, featured car on Friday. And then on Monday, um, our car was a more modern car. It was a 488 uh, Spider, and it was non-red. And we asked the question, does a Ferrari have to be red? Because nowadays... They're not so, you know, they, if you go down and have a look at the production line, you'll see that, you know, red is still predominantly the main color, but it's making up for way less than 50% of the total car, total cars that are being made. Um, so we found a beautiful Argento Nürburgring um, 488 Spider, which was available with our friends at um, Ferrari of Houston. So it's well worth checking that out. You can check out both the cars by going to Ferrari Hub com forward slash drool okay so now we're going to dive straight into the 456m service that i did so just to give a little bit of context i purchased the car back in 2014 um it, right at the beginning of 2014 and i picked up the car it had um a mot which is in the uk is what is um an annual inspection so it had that which was current and it was going to be expiring in a few months' time. So I went along, picked up the car. I actually picked it up off eBay. Um, big mistake. Christmas time, New Year's time. You're going to have spare time. Do not go on eBay because you're going to end up buying a whole load of things that you never thought you were going to ever want to buy or ever need. And this 456M was one of them. Uh, it had previously been a little bit neglected. Um, so I knew kind of a little bit about what I was getting into. And I don't know if it's because of that neglect or that time of year, because I think the actual, I think I picked up the car on the 4th of January. So it must have been right around the new year when the auction ended. So obviously a lot of other people were distracted. I picked up that car back in 2014 for £16,800. And, and the reason why I tell you the numbers is because I'm going to be talking a lot about the numbers, about how this whole cost broke down you know this $20,000 figure that I mentioned so for for people I guess this is advice for people who are thinking of buying a Ferrari 
I would definitely recommend it. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't be so passionate about it myself. But you've got to go into it with your eyes open. There's no such thing as a cheap Ferrari. Because if it's cheap to buy, there will be a lot of work that needs to be done to bring it back up to the right standard. And if you don't, then you will face significant problems in the future because you're just effectively deferring the work that needs to be done. So you've got to bear in mind that these, the 456M, for example, was, I think, brand new, about 155000 And it's still, even though I picked it up for 16800 it's still a £155,000 car. The parts are priced accordingly. The complexity of the car is based on that, you know. So you've you've got to keep that in mind. You you can't pick up this car and run it for the same cost that it'll, you know, the same cost that it takes to maintain a Toyota or a Mercedes or something like that. It's just not even the same type of technology. So there's that complexity, and over the space of about a year and a half, I spent this sort of sum of $20,000. I mean, I was obviously paying in pounds, so it was about £15,000, which I which I spent. And I'm going to break that down to show you what that actually was made up of. So first of all, I'm going to exclude a couple of items, um, just simply because I wanted to talk about the cost of these items, but at the same time, I, you know, I didn't want to sort of Bring this into the overall cost. So from these, from 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 the twenty k, I'm going to take out about five k because this is actually for a four five six M hood which I purchased from the US. So a little bit of background to the car. I mean, the car itself had previously been involved in a light front accident, and the hood, which is one piece carbon fiber had been damaged in the process. Now, the hood itself had been repaired, um, which if you uh, if you know carbon fibre, then you know, you'll know that repairing carbon fibre needs to be done in a very particular way um, if it's to be done at all. And unfortunately, this had been done a little bit on the cheap. Um, so I could see the imperfections in the uh, hood itself. And the problem with the hood was that Ferrari no longer have the, have it in stock. Um, it's something that new cost about, I think it was about $8,000, maybe more. Um, and once production ceased and the stock dried up, there was just no hoods available. So I, I, I always sort of looked at my hood and thought to myself, you know, if I want this car perfect, then I'm going to need to change the hood. And I kept an eye out. I mean, it was one of those things that most people wouldn't notice. But for me, it was um, there. And, you know, I wanted to have a car that was, you know, that that I, I mean, effectively, I was going to keep this car for a long, long time. So making the investment on the hood itself was well worth it. Uh, I found a hood in California and had it shipped over. Um, now, if you don't know the these hoods... It's the largest single piece of carbon fiber on any car ever. Um, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know if that's still correct because I, I think about the LaFerrari and Paganis and things like that. But 
I, I mean, I, I still think it is correct because literally it's the entire front of the car. The entire front. The, the hood itself wraps over. So there's no wings to a 456M. Um, it's, you know, it's the entire front. And you know, if you imagine the front of the car, it's it's the hood and then the front bumper. And that's it. There is no other front. You take the hood and the front bumper off and you've effectively got a skeleton shell. Um, so it's a huge, huge... Um, uh, part and there just were none available I mean I was looking around everywhere the one or two that I did find generally had um, uh, some damage on the on the hood so it was it was just you know impossible to find one I found one and that was in California so I decided to have it shipped over and I, I I've put I've, I've created a spreadsheet which has all of my costs in there and in fact i don't even think i ended up putting all of my costs so the actual cost itself may well be higher but i, I put in a, a 5k cost for the hood um, which is i know roughly right however i don't think that that included the import duty by the time i actually got it over here and possibly not even the shipping cost which was probably quite considerable as well but I got the hood in. It never actually got fitted to my car, which I'll explain at the end, uh, the reason why. But I got the hood in and eventually I ended up selling it to a gentleman in Paris who um, I ended up having to deliver it to. And when it came, when, it, when, it, when he, he, he we, we agreed on a price and I thought, okay, I, I can't, I mean, I, I couldn't send this without creating it up it was so big so i thought okay let me drop it off to him so i thought okay we'll jump in the car myself and my father-in-law drove from london to paris to drop it off to him and it was so big that we tried to put it we hired a van we tried to put it inside the van and we tried it every single way and it just wouldn't fit it, it the van was not big enough and this was not a small van um this is quite a large van so then we managed to angle it in in a particular way to get it in there and then we had to pack it out with uh, cushions and um, padding and you know all sorts of padding whatever we could find drove to Paris hoping that it wouldn't crack or anything like that on the way got it there delivered to, to him and drove back to London all in the same day um, just so that we could get this to the customer without any sort of damage to the hood at all it was an absolute nightmare of a day but so relieved when we actually got it there and it turns out that this chap's actually got two. Um, he bought our one and he had another one and he had a 456M. And what he said was, he said, you know, when somebody needs it, they're going to need it. And he's got two um, uh, original hoods. So if anybody out there actually needs a Ferrari 456M hood, uh, let me know and I'll, I'll uh, put you in contact with, um, uh, with, with the chap himself. Um, so that's one cost I'm going to exclude. And then two other small costs that I'm going to exclude is uh, here in the UK, we have what's called road tax. Um, I paid £126 for six months of road tax um, for the car um, because I knew that it was going to be off road for, off the road um, for a period of time. So I didn't really want to take a whole year's road tax. And then also we have an annual inspection called the MOT, which was £50. The next cost um, doesn't actually even relate to the car itself, but it was something that was needed because it's actually this car, I I pretty much serviced myself. Um, it was not the, 
it wasn't actually the original plan when I purchased the car. But then as I, I after I bought it, I thought, oh, yeah, you know, I've always wanted to work on a car. What better place to start than a V12 Ferrari? Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Yeah, so the first thing I needed to do was get myself some tools because what I had was just not good enough. So I ended up spending about £800, possibly slightly more, on tools. And that included everything from a trolley jack to um, uh, snap-on jacks where there were stationary jacks that we could put the car on, um, gloves, mechanic mats, oil drainers, a tool set in a lovely red um, uh, toolbox um, on wheels that looks kind of like a snap-on one, but um, it wasn't, clearly not getting a snap-on tool set for £800. Um, and then various other brushes and scrubbers and traffic film remover and an overall essential. You know, you need to look professional at the end of the day. Um and then we move on to what are the actual service items themselves. So this, when, when you think of a service, you sort of think to yourself, okay, well, this is what it's going to cost me. So I, pu- I purchased a full service kit for £126. And you kind of think, to yourself, wow, that's pretty reasonable. You know, um, you know we're talking about Toyota territory here, territory here. Now, what that included was it included two oil filters, two air filters, two fuel filters, a pollen filter, 12 iridium spark plugs, and one engine sump plug washer. Um, so that, that was effectively what was included in that. And I, I picked that up from a, um, um, I think it was from a, a specialist um, supplier. Um, so they're all Ferrari parts. So everything that I've used is ferrari genuine unless stated otherwise um or certainly to oem spec in addition to that um i was also i was i didn't know when the last cam belt had been done i I mean i think i think maybe i had some paperwork to say when it had been done but i I just wanted to get it done i wanted to have a a baseline on the vehicle so i um, purchased two cam belts and a cam belt bearing kit and those the cam belts were sixty-eight pounds for the set and the bearing kits was £156 for the set. And from memory, the bearing kit that I used were the Hill Engineering uh, actually no. Mm, I think I was going to use the Hill Engineering ones, but I think for the cam belts, I don't think the Hill Engineering be- um uh bearings are suitable for memory. Um I think it was the SKD ones that we ended up using. Then in addition to that there was an additional £440 on oils and fluids. And I'll give a little bit of a breakdown as to what that consisted of. So I was literally changing all of the fluids in the car. Um, I was changing all the fluids. I was changing all the filters. And so I needed a lot of fluid. Now, this this is not something that would normally be done. Um, you know, this was a very major service that I was doing. And... So I suppose, strictly speaking, I didn't have to do it all in one go. But at the same time, I wanted to have a baseline. I wanted to have a car that was usable and reliable. And so I didn't want to have any sort of issues. So the type of things that I changed were um, the brake fluid itself. So the Shell Dot 4 Ultra brake fluid. So everything that I'm mentioning, I looked back at 
what is the OEM spec, um, including which are the companies that they use. So I could have got any old dot four fluid, but they specifically said in the manual shell, and that's the reason why I went for them. So these these are the um, the the options that I chose. Um, so it need it needs three of those bottles for the amount of fluid in the car. Um, so quite considerable, but I wanted to change the whole lot. Um, initially, I bought um, some comma coolant, um, just a cheap, not cheap brand, but I mean, it was, it was, it was appropriate for the vehicle, but I, I just wanted to replace the fluid in the car. Um, and so we used that. Um, the vehicle itself takes uh, the Shell Helux Ultra uh, 5w40 engine oil um, so i was able to pick up two um, bottles of that for about 55 pounds um, and then we ended up changing the coolant again um, so the one recommended is the patronus paraflu coolant and i needed 10 bottles of those at 94 pounds and that was hard to get hold of i mean it was um i, I think i ended up buying it off ebay or somewhere else but i mean literally um, I, I thought it'd be a lot easier to pick up and it just wasn't so that was quite surprising um, the automatic trans um, um, transmission fluid uh, that was another one that I wanted to change and get the, the specification exactly right um, so it's the Spirax S4 ATF fluid and what was difficult about that this that that's actually made by Shell uh, what was surprising about that was that I, I needed 13 bottles of it um, so that was 150 pounds uh, that I ended up spending on on the um, on the fluid itself. All in all, the oils and fluids cost about 440 pounds, um, which was quite surprising. Uh, but then I was doing quite a lot. Then the next section of of items that I've got is the the next big items, and this came up to 6,100 pounds. And I even now when I look back at it, I think to myself my gosh you know that's that's a huge amount of money i mean some cars a lot of cars you know secondhand cars cost less than that and here i am still plowing the same money into the same car um you know which was um yeah looking back at it i i, I mean would i do it again definitely i would but um see one of the things that one of the things i always think to myself is that with ferraris with used ferraris particularly in particular um you don't have that depreciation and that's a big thing because you know, even if you do have depreciation it's usually quite small compared to other cars uh, i mean just today i was um i was walking down the street and i saw a uh, i think it was a mercedes s65 amg and it's a lovely car but i did think to myself gosh that's going to depreciate like a like a lead balloon and you know, but with a Ferrari, especially particularly with used Ferraris, you don't get that sort of depreciation. They tend to hold their value and in some cases appreciate in value over time. So I, you know, I take the view that, you know, you've got that expense in a vehicle that you, you, you know, that you're just not going to have in a Ferrari. So, you know, spending a little bit more on the maintenance of it um is somewhat justifiable it's, it's man maths at the end of the day but um yeah so the next thing i decided to do was to rebuild the suspension um the suspension on the car was uh it has a self-leveling suspension and it was set at the highest level which basically means that over time 
the wrist suspension has um, the the seals have deteriorated and you know they're not holding compression effectively. So I looked into various options. The suspension on that particular car um, is from um, Bilstein, and I. I, I looked into some you know problems that other owners had been having and effectively they had changed their suspension, uh, changed the shock absorbers and they were still having leaks. Uh, and it's a, it's, an, it's a problem in the particular design of that particular suspension, which I think it was also part of the, yes, it was part of the 456 and it was also part of the 550, 575 range as well. So I decided to have it rebuilt by another company which became highly recommended called Delta V in the US and although they give I think they give a lifetime guarantee on the actual suspension itself um, it is expensive and it does take a long time I mean I waited a long time which for me luckily was not a problem because whilst my car was being worked on and I was doing this kind of myself I had it in my garage um, it was off it was off the ground and if it was a car that I was relying on on a day-to-day basis uh, it would be really problematic but luckily um, I was not using the car and if if the car took a little bit longer it was fine for me to wait Um, but I do remember it taking sort of three months maybe more a lot of chasing um, and I I, you know they, they just have a lot of work on so that cost just under two thousand pounds um just to have the four corners replaced um but i noticed a massive difference in the way that the car drove after that uh, it was a lot less bouncy much sharper you really really felt it felt like a different car um so it was money well spent i would say the next big item um, was a tubey exhaust, um, which is an absolute must. I mean, the original exhaust, it sounded nice, but put the tubey on and my gosh, the car just sounds like something different, honestly. Uh, it just completely transformed the car. And the lovely thing about it is that at day-to-day sort of normal traffic speed, it sounds really nice. And then you take it into a tunnel and you press the accelerator the gearbox shifts down and oh my gosh that just sounds like something completely out of this world and yeah it's it's so worthwhile to fit a decent exhaust on um, on the car and, and certainly recommend Tubi for that the other thing that I decided to do was I replaced the central pipe um, on the exhaust the center it's 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 by a company called um, Bradan, and they do what's called a resonator delete, and effectively it makes the car even louder. And to be honest with you, with the tubey exhaust and with the resonator delete, it was just too loud. It really was just way too loud. Um, I think we had it on for a couple of weeks, and then. Or maybe not even a couple of weeks. I seem to remember sort of going down, having it fitted on, driving it away. I think I drove it for about a week and I it was just... And the, th- the thing is, at this stage, by the time I fitted it on, I was driving it regularly. I mean, I was literally driving it to the station, um, parking it up at the station, going into work, 
um, running down to the supermarket. You know, it was literally our everyday car, you know, by the time I got this fitted on. And it was just way too loud for that. Uh, I can see how it would work really well on other models. Um, but if you're planning on using it on a day-to-day -day basis, um, it was just too, too loud. So um, that was £441. And then that ended up coming off the car. And I think I ended up selling that on to somebody else who um, wanted something louder. Uh, and then with the suspension, um, I changed the shock absorbers, as I mentioned earlier. But also there were the bushes, which we could see that some of the bushes had wear and they needed to be changed. And so I decided to um, purchase the kit to change all four corners. And the kit for the front cost £281. The kit for the rear cost £617. And the most unbelievable thing about it is I never got it fitted on. And I'll tell you at the end why I never got it fitted on. But um, so I still have these two brand new kits, which I think um, if anybody is looking for these, then I have them. So more than happy to sell them on. Um, and then I, I got a couple of things that were really sort of nice to have. So um, Hill Engineering do a lovely set of pedals. Um, and I had the pedals changed to these uh, Hill Engineering pedals, which were beautiful. Absolutely really, you know, really finished off the interior nicely. And also the because my car was the 456M, uh, I had previously had a 456, uh, the normal 456. And then um, I this this was my second 456, but it's a 456M. It's the updated version. And the ECU in this car is different as well. So. It shares the same ECU with the 575, the 550. And with the 575, and I think it was the 550 as well, um, they launched a, what is called the Fiorano Handling Pack. And that included a number of different tweaks to the standard cars. But one of those tweaks was a tweak to the suspension ECU. And... Um, the, what what it does is basically when you um, when you put it into sports mode, um, it firms up the suspension. It, it feels much tighter. It's it's much better, sort of going around corners and things like that. And I did a little bit of research, and I found out that actually this particular module will actually work in my four five six M. And what I was able to do was pick up the last one, I think it was, from Ferrari and fitted that into my car. And that was that was fantastic. That really was something else. Um, so, you know, if you can get hold of one, I recommend it. Um, but I'm pretty sure I picked up the last one available. Um, so I fitted that in um, to the car. And it also, actually, what it does is, my mistake, actually, it's not, just the space when you when you activate it for the suspension what it does is it tightens up the steering um so it's not just the suspension that's affected but the steering itself is 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 made to feel very different to um you know how it how it would normally feel much sharper much more aggressive which is really really great um when you're sort of driving quickly and then the final thing that i did was uh fitted on a set of four brand new bridgestone tires and those set me back about £850 um, for all four tyres. A few other essentials that I did 
you know that I fitted on were things like the battery. I put a brand new battery on again, the correct one for the the vehicle um, fitting a Bosch unit. Um, water and power steering belts, alternator bearing, water pump bearing, um, lower airbox filter, um, alternator belt, aircon dryer bottle. Now, um, if you're looking at the engine of a four five six or four five six M, you'll see in the front left hand corner sort of. Uh, actually, in fact, I'm not even sure if it's visible. I, th I think it is visible, actually. So it should be where the headlight is, um, is the aircon bottle. Um, my one had not been changed for a long time, so that was £213 there. Um, and then all the, the gaskets and the filters and the handbrake shoes and, you know, um, you know, a whole host of different things that... Um, that need you know i just wanted to change all of it you know get get everything done properly and then once we had done the service we had the car on the ramp we could see that it was a slight oil leak from the rear main seal so we had to change that as well you know so a number of things that you know you're just not expecting it and inevitably it needs to be changed and if you know where the rear main seal is you'll know that it's not a um a easy to replace item um, as they never are. Um, the handbrake shoes, as I mentioned earlier, I bought a set for for the wheels, you know, either, either side. And then when we came to fit it, I realised, and when I say we, um, my friend um, Abby, who was in episode two, um, he was sort of helping me out with various bits and bobs. Um, when we came to fit it, we, you know, I realised that I'd only bought sort of half the set. So I ended up having to buy the second half of the set as well. So it, it was actually two completely different part numbers. Um, but you live and learn. And also I had had some cooling problems. So I decided to change both of the cooling fans. Um, so that was £190 each. Ouch. Whilst I had the car, I also gave it a second service as well. So the service kit for that um, was £245. And I, even though that was only, um, I think, a year later, I decided to change the cam belt again. And the reason for that is because uh, one of the things that, that drove the second service was um, the cooling issues that I had had, as I mentioned. And whilst the radiator was out and was being reconditioned, I thought, okay, listen, we've got all of this stripped out. Let's just change the cam belts again because, you know, it just, it, it's, it's just all exposed. It's so much easier changing the cam belts um, without the radiator there, without anything in the way, no pipes, nothing like that. So we just thought, you know what, it give us another three years on the um, on the cam belts. So even though we, I mean, we, 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 we took the old ones off, we had a look at it and, you know, I'd probably only put, you know, a few thousand miles on the car in that period of time. You know, the Campbells that came off looked brand new, but, you know, it was just peace of mind more than anything else. And then are the final items that I had to purchase. So I mentioned about the radiator reconditioning. Uh, that that was actually relatively cheap. That cost £144, um, uh, which was a lot less than I thought it was going to be. I uh, By this stage, I thought, you know, the car needs new floor mats. So I got some lovely new floor mats, uh, which cost me about £100. And then... The accelerator cable was causing a little bit of problem, so I replaced both parts of that. And then the probably the most important part in the whole of the service cost £25, and that was a leather cover for the 
um, alarm key fob. Um, obviously, you know, when you come to purchase any car that is substantial as that, you need to buy a new key fob. And, um, you know, this car was no exception. So um, that cost me £25. And, uh, you know, then a whole load of water hoses. I mean, with the with the coolants um, issue that I'd had, I decided to change all of the coolant hoses as well. Uh, so without exception, I think there was just one hose that was right at the bottom of the engine, which would have just been a nightmare to get to, but it looked fine and we didn't change that one. But every single other hose that was there were all replaced. Um, and, you know, all these little bo bits and bobs cost £2,800. Um, so, you know, all these clips and hoses and, you know, all these sorts of things. So it's quite surprising how much it all adds up to. So the car was ready and we were rushing to get it ready because actually I was going on a road trip and uh, obviously you can't go on a road trip without the Ferrari. So we rushed to get the car ready and that was one of the reasons why I mentioned earlier that the uh, suspension, the um, uh, the suspension parts that I purchased, um, I didn't end up fitting because, you know, we were just, we just literally, just, I mean, I, I literally picked up the car um, from Abby's garage, you know, so at this point now it had moved over to Abby's garage and I picked it up from there the day before I was traveling. So it was really down to the wire. And we traveled to Geneva uh, and then down to Lake Como and then we went to Maranello, um, went to the factory, factory tour, went to the museum and then to the Enzo Museum as well. And you have to do the museums, even if you don't own a Ferrari. It's so well worth going to Maranello, just soaking it all in and then, you know, going to the, to the two museums because they're both fantastic. Uh, we were also able to get a factory tour of the Pagani and the Lamborghini factories as well. And then once we left Maranello, we went headed down to Monaco, um, as you have to, of course, um, and stayed in Nice and then stayed there for a few days and then drove back from Nice back to London in a single day. So we left like in the morning at around about seven in the morning and literally just drove, 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 you know, the whole way. Um, we had um, one stop for maybe about two hours and got back to London that evening. So, um, yeah, all in all, a great trip. And there was no issues with the car. No issues at all, except for one major issue that we had, which scared us, really. I mean, basically what happened was we uh, were driving through the Swiss Alps and uh, we went up a, um, a mountain pass. And it was fantastic because there was snow on the ground everywhere. Uh, the roads were clear, as they uh, always are, efficiently clear by the, by the Swiss authorities. And uh, but on the sides of the roads, it was it was September. I remember it was September, and there was um, a lot of snow um, in the higher parts of the um, um, of the Alps. And we got to the top, pulled over, and then we started driving down. And the only thing that the, the only way that I can describe it is that I thought we were going to go over the edge because we had no brakes. And I just, you know, honestly, without swearing, because I know there are some kids who listen to this as well, um, but we had zero brakes. Managed to get the car down to the bottom, and we actually thought that we had lost our brake fluid and there was some sort of problem. 
it turns out actually what it was is that the brakes had just overheated um but we didn't know that at the time so let the car cool down started driving again the brakes seemed okay um so then we managed to sort of drive relatively slowly down to marinello and then the next day we were driving around marinello and i saw a ferrari um uh, garage called uh, zanasi and i thought let's just pop in here and you know ask them if they can just have a look you know we've got a long trip back so we popped in and spoke to a chap and he didn't speak very good english but he said ah oh, follow me follow me so we followed him he drove us to another place uh which was right next door to the factory itself and went inside and um you know spoke to mr zanasi there and you know he was a lovely chap and said you know don't worry we'll have a look at it no problem and immediately got three or four of his guys to have a look now at this point in time i think by the time we got there it was probably about five o'clock so they were probably about to leave pack up and go home but he says don't worry let's have a look at it and he you know they, they then put it on the ramp took it up checked everything i mean it was like a pit crew looking at your car and if, you, if you're not familiar with zanasi i'll tell you in a second but basically they looked over all the fluids topped up fluids um you know checked tire pressures everything that was that you know everything that you could ask to be looked at they looked at it they spent about an hour three of them and in that time he and then invited us over to his office and um you know we sat down and when i say his office and you know he sort of obviously gave us the obligatory espresso coffee uh, which still tastes fantastic and you know when i say his office he had a daytona spider there um in partial restoration f4 f50 um you know which was you know moved in front of his office for you know to make space for the other things and to get to his office we actually had to walk through this room full of cars which had all been in various states of restoration most of them were actually finished actually and you know there was everything from a 246 dino to um 250s to you know you know so modern more modern cars as well and after we'd finished the coffee he goes oh, let me show you around so we went for a walk and back through that room again you know some pretty impressive cars over there and then we walk into the main part of the warehouse or the, the the facility i don't even know how to describe it and i was blown away i really was blown away i mean the cars that they had there they had everything from the laferrari um they had a um jfk's nephew's laferrari which was in for a he wanted to have the interior reupholstered in denim um so that's what the car was there for uh he they had two 250 gt uh sorry, 250 gt spider californias one short wheelbase one long wheelbase right next to each other i had never seen two of these together before and suddenly i'm seeing a short wheelbase and a long wheelbase and i'm able to stand there and compare the two it was absolutely amazing and you know all the other cars that they had there and um, they had a um uh, you know some of you will be familiar with a f40 that's been resprayed in like a baby blue color um they were the ones who resprayed it um that car was there when we were there 
And then he took us around the back and there's all these paint shops there. And this is something that I didn't know, but Zanasi, they do the paint stripes on all the Ferraris. So if you order a car, um, let's say the 458 uh, Speciale, and you order that with a stripe, the car itself, I believe, gets painted in the Ferrari factory in the colour you spec, so for example in the red, and then it comes to Zanasi's facility and then they paint on the stripes. Um, so they had all of these cars lined up which were ready to have their stripes painted and you know we were watching these um you know these teams of people who were um painting these cars and absolutely amazing i mean we were just blown away i mean we this, you know as far as i'm concerned that was probably the highlight of the trip uh, as much as i enjoyed the ferrari factory visit as well um this was probably the highlight of the trip and by the time we finished that tour and came back around uh we were ready to collect our car and myself and my friend we were just looking at each other thinking you know they have literally given gone over every inch of this car you know i have no idea what the bill is going to be and we hadn't budgeted for any of this i mean i remember i just spent a ton of money to effectively get the car to the position that it was in so i i'm i you know i said to him i said i've got my credit card but if i need yours you know i'll let you know in a sort of jerky kind of way and so then i asked um uh the the chap who was working on the car i said you know so how much is this going to be as he sort of handed me my car back he's you know i said you know how much is this going to be and he goes sorry i don't understand i said you know how much how much and he said nothing i said i'm sorry and he says he goes your ferrari your family it's okay don't worry and i was just like absolutely godsmacked i could not believe i could not believe it i mean you know i you know i i have to say i felt a little bit emotional at that point i thought to myself you know here i am miles from home you know in another car i would have ended up having to spend a small fortune to get that done and you know really truly feeling like part of the family and i didn't have a you know two hundred and fifty thousand pound car um i had you know one was that was a lot more modest than that and yet you know it was it was such a lovely gesture from them um you know it is it was absolutely um you know really really amazing so uh if you're listening to this guys you know thank you very much i really appreciate um the time that you um spent on the car because we drove home from there complete peace of mind you know, knowing that everything had been checked over and everything was fine. Um, and the only problem that we had with the car was the fact that, you know, we had overcooked the brakes on the um, the mountain. But um, yeah, that was quite amazing. So I mentioned that there, there, there was something else about the car. And that trip took place in September. In November, the car got written off or more precisely, I should say, I wrote off the car. Uh, it was a very cold November day. And in fact, I remember that day because the days around that particular weekend was, were, you know, there was a normal, you know, autumn, you know, weather, sort of 10, 15 degrees in the UK. And on that particular day, the temperatures dropped significantly. I mean, it went to sort of minus three, minus four degrees. And um, 
what actually happened was I was I was I was driving the car. I went to my um, my father-in-law's house, and I was sitting there. We're having a um, you know whatever. I was there for a couple of hours, and I left there. And as I left, just around the corner from the house, there's this. It's like an S bend, and you know, it's literally thirty seconds from their house. And I went round this S bed, not even going particularly fast. I was probably doing about 20, 30 miles per hour. And the tires were just stone cold. There may well have been a bit of ice on the road. The buck swung out and the car just went head on into a concrete wall. And that's it. You know, the the car just smashed. And I could have I could have repaired it. Um because I mean the the biggest the the most complicated part to be able to you know, that needed to be changed was the actual bonnet. And I had a bonnet, but I decided not to do it. I just felt so disheartened about the whole thing, you know, having just spent all that time, money and everything like that. And for that to have happened, that I just decided I'll work it out with my insurance company and see what they do. And they gave me a pretty reasonable um, valuation. And I just decided, you know what, I've spent a lot of time and a lot of money on this car. And even though I knew exactly what needed to be done, uh, you know, I had, you know, I, I knew it was, it wasn't even that much work. It was the radiator. It was the bonnets and a few other bits and bobs. And I just decided, you know what, I'm not going to. So I ended up sort of cashing out of the car and um, letting it go, which is a real shame. Um, but I don't regret that because, you know, as I said, you know, I think, you know, I was a little bit disheartened by by the whole event and everything like that. You know, having driven, I think it was probably three thousand miles around Europe, and never, you know, not having any incident, uh, no accidents or anything like that, and then using it every single day, and you know, really feeling comfortable with the car, within sort of thirty seconds, something like that happening, um, that was uh, really quite disheartening for me, but. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things. Um, so that car ended up going. And uh, yeah, that, sadly, that was the end of that one. I hope you've enjoyed this particular um, episode. I thought it'd be useful to bring a little bit of flavor as to, you know, where some of these costs come from, um, you know, and how these bills can mount up. I mean, I know a lot of those bills, you know, that, you know, so for example, the, the, the bonnet itself, I did end up selling and I did end up making a little bit of money on, not intentionally, but, you know, just how it ended up. And, you know, so of that $20,000 bill, you know, at least 5000 of that was recouped. Um, you know, the Tubi exhaust, again, I took those off the car and, you know, when they, before the car went off uh, and I was able to sell those, um, you know, so what's that that's probably about seven thousand dollars so that probably leaves about thirteen thousand dollars um but the vast majority of that money was soaked up in the car on various things you know and it's uh you know it's it's easy to do you know just simply because you you kind of think to yourself okay i need to do this i need to do that you know the suspension you know if it had i not done the suspension i probably could have driven it around but it would not have been as enjoyable to drive you know, it would have been very bouncy, you know, very um, different to what you would expect the car to drive like. So, 
you know a lot of the things i did on the car and you could you could avoid them but then you're losing out on the experience and that's what it was about i wanted to have not something to sort of pose around in but something to really drive and enjoy and that's where the ferrari um you know that that that's where the logic came from in you know and at the end of the day everything that i was spending on the vehicle you know i did feel that i purchased it cheap enough to be able to justify this expense and the vehicle would not be depreciating over time so you know i mean i'm pleased to say that when i actually sold the car um i'm pretty sure i you know i was pretty break even on the vehicle you know not sold it but as in what the insurance company gave me or maybe i was probably in a little bit of profit but it was never really about making profits um it was really about getting that car on the road used as it should be you know not sort of sat there in someone's garage being unloved and unused so that was my thoughts anyway i'm sure a lot of you can resonate with what i've said and you've probably been in similar circumstances to you know to myself uh, i know a lot of owners that i've spoken to over the years kind of you know it's it's that whole man maths calculations that come into effect um and and i guess to some extent it's probably you know if you try and do it on a you know on a, you know in a, on a mathematical level you probably never will be able to justify but you know these these cars they're not really about you know mathematical justification they're about emotional justification and whilst i owned that vehicle i really loved it you know i really enjoyed it um and you know i'm now in contact with the with the chap who purchased the car and you know he's um he's now looking to um get it back on the road so i'm not sure if he's got it on the road yet but um and i actually said to him as well he made a big mistake i said to him to buy the bonnet because i knew he would not be able to find another one because i know how how hard it was for me to buy this one um but he didn't end up buying the bonnet um so yeah so i'm i'm not sure where he is with that but certainly i'll check with him if you want to see car uh, sorry images of the of the car during the servicing um and also videos i actually um created a number of videos as i was actually working on the vehicle and i've put those videos on youtube so what i'll do is i will include those in the show notes for this episode so you can go to ferrarihub.com forward slash ep10 uh, that's ep10 and on that page you'll find all the show notes for today's episode and also you'll have pictures and you'll have the video links to the um episodes to to the various um episodes themselves um so all of that will be there well thanks for listening everybody i hope you really enjoyed that as i mentioned at the beginning of this episode there is a special announcement that is going to be coming uh i was hoping to make that announcement today however we were still battling with a few technical problems um which have now been um resolved and it's just in the sort of final stages Now we're going to make the announcement on Friday and if you want to know what it's all about then all you need to do is subscribe to our newsletter and you'll hear about it first over there. So if you've not already done that go to ferrarihub.com/subscribe sign up and you'll hear about it on Friday. If you've already done that 
great. You'll get to hear about it before anybody else. Thanks very much for listening. Ciao.